Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're talking about right-sizing. Now, this isn't the kind of right-sizing that got you fired from your job back in the 1990s. This is something else. But speaking of right-sizing, yesterday, Les took two boxes out of our garage for me, and I went through them. Now, these were not small boxes either. They were giant size boxes full of stuff from my last house, which I lived in over 10 years ago. Now, some of this stuff made me smile, but honestly, most of it I can't wait to get rid of. I'm keeping maybe three items from those two giant boxes, and the rest I'm donating sometime this week. It felt so good just getting that clutter out, but it's not just stuff that we need to declutter. Sometimes it's old habits, or it might be toxic people in our lives. Maybe it's your current job that you need to right-size out of your life this time. So if you think that it's time for you to start right-sizing your own life, but you don't know how, or you don't have time, or frankly, don't really have the energy, then you're going to love this episode. In this show, we'll show you the difference between right-sizing and downsizing, why right-sizing is so beneficial as we age, and the basics of how to right-size. Today, my guest is Kathy Gottberg, and she is going to help us learn how to right-size all the important things in our lives, not just the stuff in our garages and spare bedrooms. But before we dive in, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal. This write-in journal helps you keep your life on track by tracking what's important. These are the six pillars of retirement that we've talked about on the show, and you can get a PDF version of the journal absolutely free by going to rockyourretirement.com slash journal. Okay, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Kathy Gottberg. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. But before we jump in, tell my listener who you are and what you're all about. Hi, Kathy. It is such a pleasure to be here and talking with all your people. It's very difficult in the short time amount of time you've given to explain everything I'm all about, but <laughs> my, my primary activities these days is writing and blogging about right-sizing and positive aging. I've been doing that for about seven or eight years now, and I absolutely love it. Um, because it has improved my life so much in so many different ways and given me a very optimistic way of looking at the future. Now, were you like me, where you had stuff in your garage from 10 years ago from a move from that long ago? <laughs> well, actually, actually, one of the things that got um, me started, my husband and I um, started on right sizing is we had been in the real estate field. I was a writer and writing about real estate. So I did a, a lot of freelancing in real estate writing. And my husband is a commercial broker. So back in the late 2000s, uh, when we saw the, you know, the crash coming more or less, we decided we had to make some changes because we've been, we'd been through a few recessions and we knew it wasn't always easy. So we kind of thought, started talking to ourselves about, you know, we've been through the ups and downs as they come. And is there a way we can be better prepared? 
So what we did is we started, we just sat down and got out a notebook and started deciding what is was really important to us as far as a lifestyle. And that's a huge key for right sizing. Right sizing says, you know, it's not like down, downsizing is, I think, what is so common. That's kind of the way um, it, most people think of downsizing or cutting back or getting rid of or sacrificing. Uh, but like my friend said, when I, I was talking to her about right sizing, she said downsizing doesn't have to be a downgrade. And that's the way I think about right sizing. It's a, actually an upgrade when you think about it in the long term. So like eight, eight, nine years ago, my husband, we sat down, decided, you know, we have this big house and there's just my husband and I and our dog. We don't need all this space and we certainly don't need all this stuff. And with the economy at the time being kind of uncertain, why don't we start considering scaling back to what we really need and want and see where that leads us? And that's what we did. So we sold the bigger house with, you know, all these amenities that we weren't really using. And we bought a new house in a new location that gave us more of a lifestyle change that we really and truly wanted. So, yes, we had boxes of stuff we got rid of because we couldn't put it in the new house. And we realized when, at first, though, let me let me I'll. I will confess, I wasn't sure that we could, we went about half size compared to what we had. I wasn't sure I could fit in a smaller house, you know, based upon, I was like, well, that's kind of important to me. But now, eight years later, I can't even imagine having double the stuff. Because what happens with double the stuff is you end up having to take care of double the stuff. And one of the beauties of right sizing is you'd rather spend your time on things that bring you joy and satisfaction than spend your time just managing all your stuff. And I think that's what so many people I know my age, baby boomers especially, they spend all this time managing their stuff or managing it for their kids because they think their kids need that. And honestly, my, my experience is the kids don't really care that much. If they cared, they would put that stuff in their own houses. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? No, I'm serious. I, I have so I many friends that have bedrooms of stuff just in case their kids show up. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, let them get a storage room. If they, <laughs> you know, why are you cluttering up your house with all your kids and stuff? They're not, they're, they don't even live there. <laughs> I know. I know. It is amazing. My, my, one of my close friends is she has a, an enormous house filled with enormously wonderful things that they have collected. They traveled, they have beautiful, incredible things that they have expensive things. And see, that's part of the problem. You've got expensive things. So what do you do with them? But they said they talked to, they have three children. They talked to all three children and the children wanted silly things like some baseball cards, but nothing else, you know, just things that meant nothing to them. And so now, now they're faced with this big decision. And I know it's going to take time. You don't just do this overnight, but when you can start gradually releasing that stuff and actually putting it out to people who will now enjoy it, it's not going to be their kids, but there, there will be people out there that can use it and enjoy it. And meanwhile, you're free now to go and do the things you love to do. Well, Les and I were talking um, after I had emptied out those two boxes mm -hmm. and I said, why don't you go get another box for me and I'll go through it. And he says, well, now, you know, I, I'm not really sure how much is yours and how, and he says, a lot of the boxes out there are full of your Barbies. And mm -hmm. when I was young, I didn't have a Barbie and my, mm -hmm. my mom 
got me the cheap dollar store version of Barbies back then. And I always wanted a real Barbie when I was young. And we just we just couldn't afford it. Now, I think they've come down in price now. And you know, everything has really come down in price. And that's part of it. We all remember when we either couldn't afford something or if we threw something away, the next day is when we needed it. That That's what I think. Every time I'm like, well, if I throw that out, I'm going to need it next week. That, that's, <laughs> that's always what I think. And right. we don't, it's hard for us to realize that the world has changed. You know, mm-hmm. we can get something. Some of us live in cities where if we order it on Amazon, we'll get it tomorrow. Yep. And it's hard for us to remember that. So it's hard to do what you're talking about. And I know that what I did this last couple of days might not be the right sizing that you're talking about. But to me, getting rid of some of that clutter in the garage is just getting rid of it. It's equal to getting rid of clutter in my head, in my mind, <laughs> Like mm-hmm. get it out of my head. So I don't have to think that it's there anymore. Exactly. Because it does take space. Um, it takes up anything you have in your life requires energy and time and effort to maintain and keep it. Even if it's in a a box in the garage, it still takes time and effort. And and to me, one of the beauties of right-sizing, and no, it wasn't original, like you said, it was a, a, a term that was kind of derogatory from the 90s. But to me, the beauty of it is, is, is it's such a unique approach because what it says is I can't tell you what you should be getting rid of because only you can decide what's important to you. And But what I can do is encourage you to sit down and really really think about what's important to you. And I don't think that many people actually, you know, it just seems so easy. I'm so used to doing this. It becomes habits of how we live instead of looking at our habits and saying, you know, I'm so used to going out and buying a new car every year or two. Do you really need to do that? I'm so used to going, I mean, I don't wear half the clothes in my closet as it is. Do I really need to go buy something new when I I don't even use what I have? So instead of using money or time or effort to maintain or buy something new, maybe I should be spending it on things that I really and truly care about. Taking taking my kids or my loved ones out to, to a nice meal or taking them to an event that you know brings them joy instead of buying them more stuff that they don't know what to do with. Um, it, to me, that's all part of this this new approach, but it's unique to every single person, and that's why I call you know I play on the word right sizing is because I can't tell you what's important to you, but I do encourage you to figure it out for yourself. And believe me, um, like I said, the eight years since we've been doing it, it's just gotten better and better. And also, what happens I think is when you start going down that path. Sure, you get rid of stuff that you don't need, but then you also start making choices that um, create new habits that are much healthier for you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, the whole, all your pillars. (laughs) Yeah, it it really enhances your pillars. So like my husband and I are not retired. We call ourselves semi-retired. Because when we started right-sizing, what we did, we eliminated so much overhead that now we have lots of freedom and we have the resources to travel and do things that we want to, but we also like our job. So in my, in my opinion, you can right-size your work as much as you right-size any part of your life. It's like getting rid of everything that doesn't really matter and focusing on what does. Well, there are a lot of people 
that feel like they're never going to retire because like you, they enjoy what they do. And they're like, well, why would I stop doing it if I really enjoy it? So I'll, I'll give you an example. Les and I went to, we went on a trip and one of the stops was in Korea Mm-hmm. And it was called Jeju Island. And on this island are these women divers. Have you heard of these women divers? Yes. Yes, I think they're part of the Blue Zones. I've written about the Blue Zones um, before or somehow related about how they're, they're, I mean, they live to incredibly advanced age. Yes, right? they do. And they dive, you know, I thought they dive for pearls. No, that's not what they dive for. They dive for like seaweed. And they also will pick up little sea animals and uh, like abalones, but they're not the abalones that we're used to. The big ones, they're, they're small. They're like maybe three inches in diameter. And then they swim up to the shore and they put all the stuff that they've caught out and they sell it right then and there. Mm -hmm. And these women were in their 80s. I mean, there was not a young, there's not a young woman to be found. And we asked our guide about it. And she said, well, they, a lot of them have been asked, why don't you retire? Because there's sort of a hierarchy with these divers. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's done. It's passed on from generation to generation. And the young women that are doing it have to wait their turn. Like all of the divers that we saw out selling things they have their spot where they do it and the young divers aren't allowed to be in that spot. And those spots are the good spots where the people are. <laughs> right, right. So what they said was, what the divers said, because they had money and they had everything that they needed because they built their way up, you know, doing this diving. And they said they wouldn't know what to do with themselves if they stopped diving. And like you said, they're living so long. I think part of it is because of the exercise that they're getting and just Mm -hmm. the mental stimulation and being around people and all the things that their work gives them. So, so yeah, I'm with you. If, if you enjoy it, then keep doing it. But if you don't enjoy it, maybe it's time to consider how you're going to right size that job out of your life. Exactly. Um, Another example is I'm very fortunate. I live in the Palm Springs area of Southern California, where Mm -hmm. there's lots of retired folks. Mm -hmm. And my husband started working with a man 25 years ago who was in his 70s. He was in his 70s 25 years ago. He's going to be he's turning 95 this year. Wow. And they're still working together? And they're still working together. And he is the most, and his wife is 94. And this couple are, they're so inspiring to us because they're, they're interesting. They're bright. They're always, when we go to have dinner with them, they're some of the most enjoyable times we ever have sitting and chatting because they're so involved in their community and they're active in all sorts of ways. Now they're slowing down. Um, the truth is they're not as active as they used to be, but they're still incredibly bright and vibrant people. And they're such a great example of if you love what you do and he does, he's passionate about his real estate portfolio. And I mean, he just loves it. I mean, that might turn other people off or put them to sleep, but he loves what he's doing. And he, I mean, obviously, I don't think he could, when he stops doing that, 
he won't be around just simply because he loves what he does. And that's what I know. It's not always easy to find something that you love, but I, I still hear people talk about work that they really hate and dislike doing, and they just keep doing it for the money. And that is not living in a right sized way in, in, in my personal opinion, there's got to be a better way to do that. Cause I don't believe we just came here to, you know, run the hamster wheel as long as we can. And then when it's over, it's over. Um, I think our, our lives have so much more potential and possibility in them. And, but we never know if we just kind of get on the hamster wheel and start running. Well, how do you start? I mean, for me, like even with the boxes in my garage, it's like, oh, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll get to it. And it's like, ugh, I don't want to do it. How do you how do you start? How do you motivate yourself to just start? Just start with that one box or start with like you did, write down what's important. What what should the it listener did, do? Well, I do believe it's easier if you do it with your your beloved or the person you live with or the person that you're closest with. Now, if you're single, actually you've, you have an advantage because you don't have to consider how the other person is going to view the thing. It would be much more challenging to, um, if they were, you know, content and happy doing it the opposite way, that would be challenging. But assuming that you are on the same page, I would say, get away, get quiet and take the time to just say, what's the top 10 things that I think are most important for the rest of my life? How do I want to live for the rest of my life? And, and make a list, just 10 things. And I know that sounds so easy and it sounds so preliminary, but honestly, I, again, I think what somebody said, more people plan their wedding than they plan their life right. instead of, <laughs> You know, they have these or plan their vacation more than they plan the rest of the year. And it's like, what if we took the time to really sit down and say, you know, that's not working. And I know I think I have to do that. But isn't there another choice? I I read somewhere a long time ago that they said most problems are a failure of imagination. And sure that that doesn't mean it's an easy choice. We, uh, I mean, I'm sympathetic. Other people go through lots of different things. My hus husband and I, we were self-employed for years and years and not barely scraped by. And then we started doing really well, but you know what we started doing when we started doing really well, we started spending and we got more in debt and we, and so looking back on that now, it was like, no, having more money was not the solution. You know, having a, more hours at the at the office is not the solution. Maybe the solution is figuring out, okay, what really is important to me? What do I, what would I do if I wasn't if I wasn't getting paid for it? What would I love? What do I get lost in when I I'm involved in this hobby and I do it and I I forgot two or three hours went by and I don't even realize it. Those are really really critical questions to me. Now there's there's tons of information out there when you want to start downsizing and getting rid of a lot of your clutter and get rid of things that you don't need. There are thousands of resources out there. Um, a lot of people say, okay, you, you can put those, you can put those extra boxes out in the garage and say, I'm going to just, I'm not sure I want to let go of this. So I'm going to put it in the garage. And if in six months I've not looked at it, then I'll get rid of that whole box. So that's a great strategy. But again, those are strategies. And I think a lot of the strategies are just band-aids covering up uh, a person who hasn't really figured out what's important to them. Mm. 
So how much time should somebody set aside? Is this something they can do in an hour or do they need to go to Palm Springs on vacation for a week? Like how, how much time do they need? <laughs> well, again, I believe the, the key with right sizing is everybody is individual. I'm kind of a, a jump in there and get her done kind of person. But even then it took us, um, I'd say it took my husband and I a good six months before we stopped looking at houses that were just like what we had before and said, you know, I wonder what it'd be like to own a smaller house and go debt free. And that's basically what we did is when we sold the big house, we had enough resources and luckily we sold it before the crash ha happened. It was kind of on the way, but it hadn't happened yet. And we went debt-free. And honestly, going debt-free is one of the, the most freeing, amazing things anybody can do. Now, that takes discipline, though. Um, it takes, it, especially if you're already in a great deal of debt. We were in pretty good shape beforehand. But going debt-free, I mean, every the only cost we really have now is our health care because neither one of us are in Med, uh, Medicare yet. Well, that's awesome. And just as a retired semi-retired financial advisor, I have to say one thing. Okay. When everybody tells you it's great to have a mortgage because of the tax deduction, just remember you have to pay $3 to get $1 back. You're so right. You're <laughs> so right. And see, you know, what was strange was we were, we were in real estate for 20, 30 years and everybody kept saying, oh, use other people's money. Oh, get that mortgage deduction uh, write off. And honestly, it was like, well, we got rid of it. And now people are like, but you can't write off your interest. And we're like, <laughs> well, I know we're like, we have no payments. What are you talking about? It's you're absolutely right. You still like, have to spend money. Give me $3 and I'll give you a dollar back every single day of the year. In fact, listener, if you want to send me three dollars i'll send you a dollar <laughs> please i know <laughs> it is so very true and see things like that to me are right sizing now because it was like the awareness of oh, who says you should have a mortgage and why is that important and 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 honestly we're also big into the idea of um, we don't have a second home. Now we travel a lot because that's high on my list of really things that bring me joy. So we travel a lot in during the summer when it's very hot here in the desert, we go away for two to three months and we rent places and people are always, well, why don't you buy? And again, it's like, uh, I say, oh, I saved so much money because I bought this shirt on sale. Um, and say, well, think about how much money you save if you don't buy it. And, and honestly, that's been our life. It's like, instead of buying something that you can rent easily and enjoy it for the time, then you let go. It's like, what, what do people say who bought a boat? They say the two favorite best days of your life are the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Exactly. Right. We're so conditioned into thinking thinking, oh, because I have some money, I should go run out and buy this right now instead of going, do I need it? And second, can I rent it? And third, it's like, maybe I just want to use it. And maybe a friend has it that wouldn't mind sharing it with me. There's so many other, but see, we get in these mindsets that we don't even question sometimes. And that's why rice saving brings you back to Focus on what's important to you and then try to let go of everything else. Okay. I want to go back to something you just said, because okay. I think it was brilliant. Okay. <laughs> you said, do I need it? Can I rent it? Or can I just use it or borrow it? That is brilliant. Do you realize well, that you just said that? Well, I, when I was saying it, I was definitely thinking it because I'm a big fan of the sharing economy. 
my husband and I, we just recently bought a new car because, well, it's a long story. But we really felt we needed a new car. And so we have two cars. And I was like, well, you know, eventually we might not need to have two cars, especially with the idea that there's things like Uber out there now. And pretty soon, especially if we get, we retire more and more. Like I said, we're kind of semi-retired now. If Especially if we full-time retired, I'm not sure we would need two cars, especially if there's things like Uber, there's things like the sharing economy, and there's always friends that what if we all shared things instead of thinking, okay, I need a, I need a lawnmower, I need this, I need that. When I only use it like once a month, why not share amongst, you know, amongst your friends? That's an interesting concept. You know, one other mm -hmm. thing that we noticed when we were in um, Asia, and I saw these in, I think, San Diego, is these yellow bikes. They were everywhere. Yes. Those yes. yellow bikes. And I think it's the same man who owns them in San Diego who also owned them in Asia. And uh -huh. they're sharing bikes. I mean, you pay for them. I don't know how much, right. but they're sharing bikes, which is awesome. Yeah, France has been doing that for quite a while, and I think England too. And I'm so happy to see the U.S. picking up on that because it's it is a wonderful idea. Who, if you don't ride your bike all the time, especially if you're on vacation, isn't it wonderful just to rent it for the short period of time? But again, you have to challenge your thinking of. I know so many people who say, "Oh, but I don't want to use." Like, <laughs> let me give you another example. So, because we live in a fairly uh, resorty area, we decided to try uh, renting our home on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Now, we have rent uh, we have rented lots of homes on Airbnb, but we thought, why not? try it because they were having a big concert and we live close to the, anyway, long story. We decided to try it on Airbnb. And when I told friends about it, they're like, Oh, but there might be somebody sleeping in your bed. Doesn't that bother you? That's what happened and, to us when we talked about trusted house sitters. Yes. Yes. We did the trusted house sitters too. And people said that and I go, well, don't you sleep in hotels? And can you <laughs> right. even imagine how many people sleep in a hotel bed? Way yeah, more said, people are on that hotel bed than <laughs> the Airbnb. Trust me. <laughs> I know, but see, we've gotten so accustomed to thinking we have to protect our stuff and, you know, keep it, you know, cloistered away from everybody else. And it's like, what if we shared? Big families have been sharing throughout history. It's like, what if we shared some of the things we don't need all the time? And wouldn't that be wonderful? And yes, we did trust. We've done trusted house sitters with our little dog. Now we've done a home exchange and we've done the Airbnb. And I love trying different things like that because it's, it's such a wave of the future. And it reminds me that I don't, so I happen to believe we're all a lot more than our stuff. I don't def I don't want to be defined by what I own or don't want own. And I don't want to define other people by what they own and don't own. I I'd rather just stand on my own two feet and say, this is me. Some people get me and some people don't. Instead of thinking, you know, people are going to be impressed by the size of your house, the car that you drive, things like that. Absolutely. And when I think back to some of the fondest memories they were memories when I was living in a one bedroom apartment, you know, above a bar when I was in mm -hmm. college and I had nothing. I mean, right. literally I had for my dining room table, I had uh, one of those electrical, I don't even know what to call them. They're like a big spool that you keep electrical wire on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they were very popular back in like the seventies. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I had like a lawn chair. <laughs> 
you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't even have a real chair. And yeah, so yeah. these were some of my fondest memories when I really had nothing. And right. so I'm thinking, you know, this stuff doesn't make you happy. So we've no. covered two of the things, but I just want to make sure that before we say goodbye, because we're running out of time, that okay. we cover why right sizing is so beneficial as we age. Like, why is it beneficial? And does that 95-year-old that your husband is in business with, did did they right size? You know, did they change how much stuff they have? Uh, the answer to that is no. But um, the influence that we have in our own, even in my small circle, is that I have touched other people and and I can see how it's gradually changing their thinking. Again, it, it's not about how I do it. It's how they do it. And what it does is it leads to peace in mind because like uh, my, my friend who has this enormous house here in the desert with mm -hmm. all this stuff and her kids told her they didn't want it. She told me this last week, you know, we're finally getting ready to realize that it's time because our kids don't want it. And we don't want to be at the end of our lives worrying about what's going to happen with all that stuff when we can't make those decisions on our own. And the kids and, don't want to go through it. Oh, I know. They're, and see, I'm, so I'm thinking of my husband's client, Bernie and Maureen, um, and they live in a two story home that they had to install one of those little, um, Escalator, seats yeah, to go to, uh, to get upstairs Stairlift. and the house is jammed full of stuff. Now they have three children as well, but I also know it's like, Oh, what happens is the burden. I don't know if your parents are still living, but mine aren't. And honestly, when your parents go, it's very difficult because not only do you have to deal with their passing, you also have to deal with all their stuff. At the same and I, time. And that's horrible. At the same time or very close. And it's, it's very, very difficult. So I think what happens by like my husband and I now, it's like we're very mobile. We're in our early 60s. We have we have the energy and the time to decide how the next 30 years are going to go, in my opinion. So it's like, do I want to figure out what, how to manage all this stuff during the next 30 years? Or do I want to just kind of let it go and focus on living in a house that is um, basically we could stay here. We could age in place in this home because there's, I mean, it's all one level. It's in a great neighborhood that we could walk to easily and, and get public transportation easily and, and things like that. Our furniture, our age in place things. So we're not going to have to say, when do I have to give this up? Because everything is already suited for it. So if you start thinking about how you want the next 20 or 30 years to go, it's like, it doesn't it make sense to get rid of things that you're not going to be able to hang on to. And it's going to cause worry for you or those who come after you. Excellent. Excellent advice. Now we're coming to the end and okay. I want to make sure you are a uh, published author and I want to make sure that you give the listener where to find your book and how to reach you and, you know, all of the wonderful things that they're going to want to go do after hearing this. Well, thank you. Um, I, I've been fortunate to write, um, right now I'm working on book six. Um, but the last two books, um, the one was right sizing and the second one was positive aging. So those kind of, um, tag on to what we've talked about today. They are available on Amazon. So anybody can go to Amazon and, and um, type in my name, Kathy with a K-A-T-H-Y, um, Gottberg, G-O-T-T-B-E-R-G. 
I do um, blog. Um, I put it out once a week on a blog called smartliving365.com. Um, and a lot, most of my writing is available there. There's links to Amazon and more information that I come across and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all those good things. But I just love talking about right sizing and I love other people who give me ideas about how they're doing it. Because like I said, it's so individual to each person, um, but we can encourage each other. And I think in this day and age, that encouragement is one of the best things we can do. That is very, very true. So on your blog, do you just talk about right sizing or do you talk about other things as well? I talk about other things. Um, I first started out before I hit 60 <laughs> and uh, it, aging, positive aging didn't seem as important until I hit 60 and suddenly it became much more important. I What I do is I talk about a lot, lot of of lifestyle choices and uh, different perspectives that I read about. So I, I, I write about the topics that are most near and dear to my heart. I've made it a passion and a love in true right-sizing fashion. On my blog, I don't have ads. I don't have all those kind of things because I write because of what it brings to me and my lifestyle. Um, so I write about those sort of things. Well, that's fantastic. And I'll make sure that I post links to all of that in the show notes on today's episode. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure again, and I hope to talk to you again. Oh, I'm sure we will, of course. And to the listener, if you'd like to join in the conversation, head on over to the Facebook group, just um, not the page, but the group, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash community, and we can all talk about this together. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, 
we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support. And it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.